Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Good morning. Our, we're continuing our series, Everything I Ever Needed to Know I Learned in Sunday School. And uh, we're, you know, these are just these dear old stories that we learned when we were kids, and now it's time for us just to look at them uh, through the eyes of maybe a little more maturity, you know, and see what is God really speaking to us uh, through these. And I wanted to start off with um, just a sidelight right here. Back in 1980, this woman, Rosie Ruiz, I don't know if you remember this, but she ended up getting the uh, prize for the prestigious Boston Marathon, right? And then they revoked it uh, some days later when they realized that she had, had not run the race. She had just jumped in during the last mile. And they started getting suspicious about the fact that, you know, she didn't have that runner's build at all. Uh, she wasn't really sweaty. I mean, her shirt was wet, but uh, she wasn't sweaty at all. Nobody had seen her through the whole race. Cameras indicated she hadn't run anything. Just hijacked a race like that. And I think uh, she's kind of a picture sometimes of the way that you and I are. Uh, the fact that I think in our own hearts, our tendency is to want the rewards without running the race. Why should we have to go through the 26.2-mile grueling thing and sometimes in the spiritual realm, we're doing the same thing, aren't we? So, you know, we'll kind of have this little compartment in our lives of, of spirituality. And, you know, maybe it's like, yeah, I'd like to hear an inspiring message or, or just hear some inspiring music and, you know, pop into church. And, you know, just uh, we look at some of the great Bible stories, what Jesus has done. We acknowledge those things are true and we admire them from afar but the Christian life is, is more than that, isn't it? It's like we're, we're, there's some real work and, and, uh, and some gritting through as we walk along in this thing. And uh, what, you know, it says in, um, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. The Christian life, running the race of life, it's all about exercising faith in God. And the poster boy for that is Abraham, and the story that most brings us home is that story that I think you all know about Abraham and Isaac and the offering of Isaac. And I want to take you through, through that this morning. Um, the Bible talks a lot about Abraham in the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in James chapter 2, uh, James says this. He goes, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. I mean, can you think of anything better than that? Is there any award that would be better than that? Any goal in life that would go beyond being called the friend of God, that God would say, you are my friend. And it says here that what Abraham did actually made his faith complete. It was just like it was incomplete until Abraham put it into action. And you can see all the way through the story of Abraham that this was a guy who acted in faith. He stepped out in faith based on what, how he trusted God. He obeyed God. Um, I want to take you just briefly through the backstory of Abraham that leads up to this 
this sacrifice. It's a backstory of faithful obedience, where, it's, where his actions made his faith complete, and it's shown to us in living color. So the first time we run into Abraham, he's actually called Abram at the time, and he's living in what today we call Iraq. And um, God comes to him, and it says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. So God says to him, he goes like, look, you've been living in this place. You thought you were going to stay there, and, and your whole family's here, and all your relatives and everything. I want you to leave town. I want you to go to a place that you've never heard of, that you couldn't even find on a map right now. It's a place um, that none of your relatives are there. None of your friends are there. And I want you to trust me and go there. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, Abraham didn't have any children at this time. He's married to Sarah. And God goes, I'm going to make you, and you're going to have a family, and it's going to be great. And God says, I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God goes, trust me on this. Do this crazy thing. Go there. And it says, verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. So Abraham obeyed. You know, when I I read this, I thought about somebody that I think many of you know here. He's uh, one of the missionaries that we support. Uh, It's the guy on the right there with the silver tie, Rob Name. Uh, I had the privilege of teaching Rob in class years ago at Lutheran West, and uh, that's his son, by the way, on his left. That's uh, Mitchell, his son. And uh, Rob uh, was, um, after he graduated from Lutheran West, he went to Miami University, and he got in a pre-med program. And it was like his family was so excited about this that he was going to do this. And here he is, and he's, he's fascinated by the whole field. And it's one day, he's making the rounds with kind of a mentor guy, uh, Uh, a doctor of great reputation at the hospital, and they go to the room of a patient, a woman who is dying of cancer, and she doesn't have long to live. And um, the woman says to this doctor, she says, "Uh, doctor, am I going to die? And Rob said, he goes like, he said, I I was fascinated. He's going, how is he going to answer this question? I mean, what would you say in a situation like that, right? And the doctor paused for a second. And then he said, yes, you're going to die. But he said, you're not going to die today. And I and my team are going to do everything we can, use all of our skill to extend your life as long as we possibly can. And Rob thought, that's a great answer. But then Rob thought this way. He said, you know, if this room that this patient's in, if that stands for all of eternity, he said what that doctor did was gave that woman and especially, you know, if he had skill, he could give that woman about that much. He'd give her, you know, maybe a half an inch extended on to her life. And Rob said, you know what? I want to give people the whole room. I want to give them all of eternity. It was like at that moment when the Lord just laid on his heart, take a detour here. It's not going to be, med- it's not going to be the, the career of medicine, as noble as that is. I want you to be a camp, go into campus ministry. And that was a big shock to Rob's family. But Rob followed through on that. And he's been uh, a campus minister now for over 25 years and leading young men and young women to the Lord on college campuses uh, here in Ohio and also in Mexico for a time. Uh, Rob has just started a new 
ministry down at the Ohio State University, and he started a new ministry to uh, graduate students down there. There are 14,000 graduate students there. And Rob has established already a number of uh, fellowships of these guys, Christian fellowships, where, and he's, he, through the years, he's led a number of people to obtain the whole room. But Rob went into that whole thing, you know, blind. It was like, whoa, God, you're calling me to do this? It's a whole change of uh, venues, change of life course. I, 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 he heard the Lord and he obeyed. That's exactly what Abraham did. And then Abraham gets there to this new country. He's here with his nephew, but he, here he is with his wife. And they're trying to have, a chi- trying to have children, and they're, they're not succeeding. And it's like they keep trying, and they keep trying, and Sarah isn't getting pregnant. And this goes on for weeks. It goes on for months. It goes on for years. It goes on for decades. And they're still not having a child. And Abraham is going like, What's up with this? You know, this isn't making any kind of sense. And periodically, God comes to Abraham. And God says to Abraham, he's going like, look it, trust me on this. You're going to be a great nation. Like in Genesis 15, God said to him, he appeared to him and said, you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. You know what? Uh, I was, I, I'm a city boy, right? And I remember reading this when I was younger. You know, and I'd go outside, and I'd look up in the sky, and I'd go like, whoa, eight stars. Not a very big nation. You know, this is kind of an unimpressive promise. And I remember one day we were up in uh, UP, you know, northern Michigan, uh, not many cities there, right? It's just like way out there. And uh, we were coming back to the cottage that we had for the week. And we went down this road. And uh, it was at night, turned off the lights, and it was, went outside the car. And I remember looking up at the sky, and it looked like that. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It looked, I, I, I thought at that time, I thought, it looks like somebody spilled milk in the sky. It seriously looked that way. I was just awed. I'm going, like, oh, I get it. You know, this was quite a promise that God was making to Abram. But Abraham and his wife weren't pregnant, and they weren't getting pregnant. And, but God's going, you trust me on this. And the years went by, and the years went by, and it was just like, you know, and, you know if you're Abraham and you're Sarah at this time, you're going, let's just give up. Why are we disappointing ourselves like this? You know, week after week, month after month, year after year, forget it. But they kept plugging away. They just kept, they kept trying. They kept trying. And that's really what faith is all about, isn't it? It's like obeying God where you're at, and you just keep plugging away. It means trusting God enough to do what he's telling me to do, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, it, you know it's like God calls, called Abraham into this, to being a father. But, I mean, you might be in, the, in, the, in medicine, and you might have patience, God's called you there and patients that are just like uncooperative and this is frustrating and God goes, you keep plugging away. Trust me in this, I've called you in here. You might be working at a school and they give you like double the size of kindergartners running around in your gym class and you're going like, ah, this is impossible and God's going, you you hang in there, I've called you here, you you do that, you know, you might be a lawyer and you're you're just frustrated at at the system but if God's called you there, you do that, you know 
You, you might be a mom and you're going like, my kids don't say thank you. All they do is like, wah, you know, he's going, trust me, trust me. You're maybe taking care of somebody that just is, you got to have a lot of patience. He's going like, just do it, you know, and the customers come into Mally's and they're pretty crabby. He's going like, you just, you keep plugging away. You trust me on this. Just keep loving them back. You know, it's like day after day after day. That's what, that's what Abraham did. You just trust God and you trust and obey you know, Jesus told his disciples this one time. He said, if another believer sins, rebuke that person, and then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. He's going like, hey, none of this cancel stuff, you know? Somebody does something wrong and they're repenting. You forgive them. You know, don't go after them. Don't keep pounding on them. Don't just take their job. He's going like, you forgive. And the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. They're going, this is impossible. Can't do this. We need a transfusion of like faith somehow to make it happen. And Jesus says, look what he says here. He goes, hey, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may it be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. You know what he's saying? He's going, you got enough faith already. Stop whining. He's going, just do it. Just do it. You know, the smallest amount of faith can make amazing amount of, of things happen. You've got it. Go ahead. This is what, this was the secret of Abraham. He's going like, this is frustrating. God's going, just keep going. You just keep going. You got enough, I'm giving you enough resources. I'm empowering you. You just do it. Jesus went on and he went, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we're unworthy servants who've simply done our duty. That's what faith is many times. It's just doing your duty. You just keep working at it, plugging away, because God has called you to that, that place. And then finally, Abraham at the age of 100. And here's his like, wife who's 90 years old. God comes through like he always does. You know, He's going, yeah, you trusted me, and now you've got this boy. And then uh, the story gets the, the faith journey, so to speak, gets a little harder. It's a story of the faithful sacrifice. You know, Jesus said in Luke 14, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. You know, he's going like, look, it's actually mine. You got it for a while. You're not an owner. You're a manager. And so you'll be ready for whatever I call you to. And this is, uh, this is the story here. This is Genesis 22. And it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Ab Abraham, he called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. You check out that verse too. Here's, God says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. He's going, this is the apple of your eye. This is the focus of your affections. This is the most precious thing in all your life. You know, this isn't a son who's like 12 years old or 15 years old. This is a son that's 80 years old, 80 years old in, Adam, in, in uh, Abraham's mind, right? Because for 60, 70 years, he had hope for this son. He thought about this son every day, the son he didn't have yet. And now here's the son, and he's a boy, and he's still thinking about him. And 
God says, that's your only son. Now, Abraham had another son. He had an older boy that Sarah had kind of coaxed him into fathering with somebody else. And, uh, but that was no focus. This was the one. It's the most precious thing in his life. Think of the person or the, the thing in your life that's the most precious thing to you. That's, and then multiply that by 100. I think that's the way that Abraham felt about the son. This is horrible. Soren Kierkegaard wrote a whole book of philosophy called Fear and Trembling. It's an awesome book. It's pretty profound. It's not long. But he just said, if you come away from the story and you don't feel some fear and dread, you've missed the point of the story. Because this is a horrible thing that God is calling Abraham to do. This is like, this is just like, oh no, God, this is the worst thing. Your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And then in verse 3, it says, the next morning Abraham got up early. Why did he get up early? I, I wonder if maybe that was just because he's going, there's no way I can ever explain this to his mother. I better just go. I better go, you know? And he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. You know, he didn't just go to the airport and take a hop a plane there, did he? He went on a long, I mean, this was like step by step by step. And I don't think Abraham slept at night with this. He, he can't sleep at night. He's, he's tired during the day, but he's wired at the same time because he's going like, I hate this, you know? And it's just like this thing goes, and day after day, he's walking along there, riding along, and it's killing him every step because he's going, oh, I don't want to do this thing. And then three days into this long journey, he sees the mountain in the distance. And he's going like, oh, no, I was hoping that somehow the Lord would return before this time. Or hoping that they'd have a big detour in the road and I couldn't get there. Or, or you know, I would get, you know, but hit, there it is. I can't escape it. And he's got to keep going still because the mountain is still in the distance. And then he gets there. And stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We'll worship there, and then we will come right back. And now he's got to climb that mountain to go to do what he's going to do. And those last steps are the hardest ones of all as he just keeps going up that, that mountain there. And then Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I'm thinking... That's, that's, but I understand it. Even at this time where he's going, I, he's being forced to sacrifice my son, my only son, he's protecting him. He's going, you take the wood. I don't want you to cut yourself on the knife. I don't want you to get burned with the fire. I'll take that because he loves this son. This is terrible. He's, this is horrible. I mean, you and I have, we got the spoiler, right? We know that he's not going to have, but he doesn't know that. He's, he's going, I've got it do this. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? He's never told Isaac what's going on. He can't bring himself to do it. And this question that comes from Isaac, it's like he's going like, oh, I didn't want to hear that question. That just rips me up even more. It cuts right into my heart. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. 
And then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. That's like the climax of the story there, isn't it? He's got the knife in his hand, and he's ready to go through with this. He's got, picked up the knife. You know, in uh, Genesis chapter 9, there's a commandment. And God says to Noah, anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. That commandment had, had been passed on through the ages to Abraham. Abraham knew that what he was doing in an ethical sense was murder. He knew it was wrong. He knew that this was a, a command of God. And yet at the same time, he's going, you know what? God is, is so awesome and he's got to be trusted to such an extent that I, we even sometimes have to break the law to do this and this is terrible. What I'm doing is like horrible. I'm going to feel horrible about it. And when I look at this picture of Abraham right here, his mouth is open and I'm thinking it's open because he's going, oh, and he's just like groaning. You know what? Abraham was not just losing a son. You know, some, some of you here, some of us here, we have, we've experienced the death of someone really precious to us. You know, it could have been a husband, a wife, it could have been a child, it could have been a parent who was really a special, a grandparent, somebody like that, so precious to us. But we knew, we said at that time, we finally made peace with that, didn't we? And we said, you know what, God took him, it was the right time, you know, we trust the Lord, these things happen. But here, Abraham, it isn't, it isn't just being taken from him, he's going to be the instrument of this thing, and he's going to carry that guilt around with him the rest of his life. This is, gonna, this is like the most horrible thing that he can possibly imagine. You know, real faith sacrifices everything. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. You know, God says, I know that you trust me. You know, you've gone the whole route. We think of all the things in our lives that are precious to us, that are special. And some of those things draw our hearts away from the Lord. You know, there are things that become the big deal in our lives. They take the place of God himself. And sometimes there are good things that God has put into our lives, and we're going like, but, you know, God, this, was a, this is a good thing. What are you calling me to here that I've got to replace it with a better thing? But real faith sacrifices. You know, when I hear about this, I think of, like, just people that I've read about or heard about. I think of Dr. Mark Hobart, who lost his position in Australian hospital. He went against the Australian abortion acts where, when he refused to do a sex selection abortion for a couple that did not want a baby girl. He sacrificed his, his career and his reputation there. I think of a, a young man that I had in school not too many years ago, just fairly recently, a friend. He's, um, he's got very strong same-sex attractions. And because he became a believer when he was at Lutheran West, he made the decision to be celibate in obedience to what God wanted for him. And his friends say, yeah, but doesn't, don't you think God wants you to be happy? And he's going, yeah, maybe. But he's saying, and more important, is that I obey God. 
and that I'm faithful to him and I'm living that life of holiness that, he, that he's called me to. We sacrifice these things in our lives because God has called us to them. And I think of Elizabeth Joyce and her daughter Lily here. Elizabeth Joyce was pregnant with her daughter Lily and then the doctor said, you know what, that cancer, we thought you were cancer-free, this was her first child. Uh, they said, it's come back. And we can cut it out of your lung where it is, but we believe it may very well have spread to other organs. And they're saying, they said, you know, the only way we're going to be able to probably save you is to give you chemotherapy. And she said, what's that going to do to my baby? And they said, You're, we're going to have to abort the baby in that case. It would, it would do that. And she said, you know what, I'm going to pass on the chemo. And that little baby Lily, you can see her on the right there, was born healthy. And uh, she's lived, a, you know, that was like about six years ago, and she's a healthy little girl. But Elizabeth Joyce died six weeks after. She literally gave her life, sacrificed her life, because what she said, this is what God has called me to. You know, and the Christian life is sometimes big notable sacrifices like this that make it into the newspapers. And sometimes it's just little things in our lives that God is saying, I, I need you, I want you to give that up. You know, when the, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. <clears throat> this is what the Lord says, because you've obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you've obeyed me. God says, you sacrifice, I will bless that. I will bless that. And Jesus reaffirms this promise in Mark chapter 10, a promise that's, that's also for us. Peter had just said, Lord, we've left everything for you. We left our relatives, we left our jobs to follow you. And what will we get? And Jesus says, yes. Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. You know, sometimes we do end up sacrificing our relatives, don't we? Because they're going, we can't walk down the same road you are walking down. And I know of people, friends of mine, who've been canceled by their very relatives because of the fact that they're walking with the Lord. You know, and Jesus says, it's now. I, I remember talking to one of my students who was telling me about how he was struggling with giving up smoking. And I said, do you think God's called you to quit smoking? And he goes like, yeah. I says, hey, check this out in Mark 10. It says, you'll receive 100 times what you give up if God calls you to give it up. I said, that's a great promise. Because I said, it's probably pleasurable for you to smoke. He said, yeah. I says, 100 times as much. He promised that. I remember uh, talking to a girl, uh, one of my students who had its boyfriend that was really destructive in her life, uh, just leading her down wrong paths. And she was, had come to the realization that she needed to to dump the guy, you know? And I said, you know, you gotta, you gotta break up with that guy. You gotta let him go, you know? She said, yeah, but Mr. Fensky, I just don't wanna be alone. I don't wanna be lonely, and I've invested so much in this relationship, and I just, 
I can't bear to do that. I know it's the wrong thing to keep going with him. I know God's calling me, but... And I said, look at this Mark 10. Says, God says, if you give that up, you'll receive 100 times as much. I said, that could be like 100 boyfriends. I said, it could be like two boyfriends, each 50 times better, and you get to choose, you know? I said, but you know, more likely, it's probably gonna, you're going to get 100 times back for that. Maybe a relationship that's actually, you'll look back and say 100 times better, or you'll realize the joy and the peace that you've got now is 100 times surpasses that pleasure that you got from that relationship. I said, got to trust that. Uh, you know, I look back and I don't think she did. I think she stayed with that guy for another couple of years and just went through heartache after heartache after heartache. But Jesus says, hey, trust me on this. Trust me. Faith means trusting God enough to give up what tells me to even when it doesn't make sense. And, he said, or, and it seems impossible. Okay. You know, faith is a daunting thing. I think Abraham had a hard time even explaining what he was doing to himself, much less his wife, much less his child. You know, it was just like a, a, fr a frustrating thing. And you'll find sometimes God's calling you to do stuff. People just aren't going to get it. They just aren't going to understand it. And I think one of the things about it is that faith is kind of an unexplainable thing and its results. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, it says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died... God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was like Abraham accepted fully the horribleness of the situation and faced reality. But at the same time, he believed that life was going to come out of this situation. If you look at Genesis 22.5, here's Abraham's secret. I used to think that when Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther, we'll worship there, and then we'll, we will come right back. I, I was thinking, well, he's kind of lying to them there, but he doesn't want to explain what's going on. But I wonder, is, is this a, a word of faith to them? Where he goes, we will worship there, and then we will come right back. And you know, this is what the thing that's really amazing and paradoxical about faith, is that faith means you accept the harsh reality but still trust God for what seems impossible. You know, during the pandemic, I think people sometimes looked at Christians and the fact that we did not panic and get all paranoid about it. And they went, what's with you guys? Don't you believe it's real? Are you one of these deniers or something like that? No. You know, we believe. We knew that pandemic is serious. It, it was a dangerous kind of thing. Many, many, many people died. Yes, we totally accept that. But at the same time, we're not going to be afraid. Why? Because we know that we got eternal life flowing through our veins. We know that we're in good hands. And even if the thing kills us, we're going to take our last breath here on earth and we're going to exhale it in the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, so we're accepting total truth, but at the same time, we're going like, we got something that we can't see, but it's even truer than that. That's exciting stuff, you know. That's what Abraham was doing at that time. One more thing I want to finish with this. Even with faith, we still have a problem, and it's a sacrifice, sacrifice level problem. It's a huge problem that we've got right here. You know what? We don't understand what a real serious problem is. And I just wanted to use this as an example. It's back in October, the Peel Police Department, this is a suburb of Toronto, they put out a little video that they sent to everybody in the community, and they're going like, look, 
you've got to understand what an emergency is because people in Peel were asking, were calling 911 for the dumbest things. Like, some guy calls it, calls in, he goes like, I got a tomato sliced on my chicken sandwich when I went through the drive-through window. And they're going, you're calling 911 about this? He goes, but I'm allergic to tomatoes. They're going like, sir, don't bother us with these problems. Go someplace else next time. What really, you know, tipped them over the edge where they had to put out the video is another guy called in a week later, and the guy goes, hi, 911, I'm stuck in a traffic jam. They're going, yes. He, the guy's going, I got to pee. And I, the traffic jam, I can't get off at the exit. They're going, you, you want to send us to send a policeman to help you urinate? Get out of here, you know? So they go like, we have to show people what's really serious. I'm telling you, we got a serious problem, and so did Abraham, because as powerful a faith as Abraham's got, he still has a sin problem, right? If you read the rest of Abraham's story, he pulled a few fast ones in his life, right? And nobody's good enough. Even if you and I had the faith twice as much of Abraham, we still aren't good enough. What are we going to do? That's why there's a sacrifice, right? These sacrifices aren't just to have a fire. They're there to atone for sin. You know, and here Abraham is going, I know God's totally against human sacrifice, but he's calling, he had called me to do it. Okay, so check this out. In verse 13, it says, Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, a male sheep, right? So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. So he got a substitute for that sacrifice. Now here's the best verse of the whole story. It's verse 14. Abraham named the place, this thing's just blinking off, named the place Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, we used to have a song, you know, that, like that, which means the Lord will provide. And now Moses is writing this, right? And he says, to this day, People still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That's a prophecy. Because do you understand that that very Mount Moriah and that place where that sacrifice was made is pretty much the identical place where 2,000 years later, it was called Golgotha. It was right outside Jerusalem. And Jesus went to the cross there. And he went to the cross there for our sins. He was that sacrificial sheep that went to, that, went, went to, to the death for us. And that's the thing that God's saying, now I want you to trust this, that those sins that you've committed, the wrongs that you have done, the places where you've fallen short, he says, I have covered that. And I want you to trust that and know that your eternal, your eternal health has been assured. And he's going like, and based on that, I want you to trust me when I call you to obedience, and I want you to trust me even when I call you to sacrifice because you have that eternal future with me. Let's pray. Father, um, we want to thank you for your plan that you have brought us into right here. Lord, um, I look at Abraham here and I go like, wow, this guy was awesome. And I want to pray, Lord, that you'd give me and my brothers and sisters this morning that same kind of faith that's willing to walk with you wherever you call us and that's willing to sacrifice whatever it is in our lives that you're saying walk away from that. Uh, Lord, we will, uh, we're, we're just feel kind of shabby and weak many times, but Lord, we know that you're going to empower us. You're going to take us places where we don't even know right now that we could handle going. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.